Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Hello, hello, hello. Episode 90 of Ask the Dean has arrived. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I'm Dr. Scott Wright, standing in for Dr. Ryan Gray today, who is not able to be with us. And always joining us is the lovely Ms. Verenia Granham. Verenia, how's it going? Thank you. I It's going good. You know, just trying to keep you know, one foot in front of the other. That's right. Trying That's to right. not let global issues uh, right, you know, right. affect us too much. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting time, isn't it? It is interesting very, time. Very so, interesting. Yeah. But, yep, but yep. I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm doing good. 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 <laughs> well, I hope I hope that uh, all of you students that are joining us today are are uh, doing well. Also, we're you know right in the middle of the cycle and uh, of the. Uh, you know, pre- preparations for the new cycle coming up. And so it's exciting to uh, participate with students in this process and, and walk alongside them in the journey. And, uh, and I wanted to say a couple of words before we get to your questions. And by the way, go ahead and start asking questions and we'll, we'll begin to address them here in a bit. Uh, and you do that through YouTube TV, through uh, YouTube and uh, Map TV. Mm-hmm. Map, Map TV Map I'm up. sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Map TV, and uh, and so go ahead and start putting, start asking questions, and we'll we'll uh, we'll answer as many of them as we can over the course of the hour. But I wanted to really address something that I think uh, those of you who are joining us today, and, and maybe those of you who see this uh, as a recorded uh, event, um, what I anticipate you're feeling right now. So those of you who are in the middle of the cycle have applied this year and are in the middle of the cycle. Maybe you uh, haven't been as successful as you wanted to be. Uh, perhaps you're on a waiting list or maybe you uh, got some interviews and haven't heard yet. And so you're you're waiting on that. Or maybe you are anticipating applying this coming year and you're in the middle of studying for the MCAT or you're preparing your personal statement or your activity descriptions, et cetera, you're, you're in the process of all of the details of it. I wanted to, to express to you our recognition here at, at MAPT as, uh, as your advisors and, and, and those, uh, to those of you that are feeling uh, overwhelmed that are feeling like, wow, there's so many details, there's so much going on, there's so much riding on all mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. that uh, I want you to know that um, that we feel that, your advisors at your institutions feel that, your letter writers understand it, the medical schools understand it. And, uh, and what, I, what I want you to feel from us is that uh, it's going to be okay, you can you can make it. You can do this. Yes. You can make it through the process. Yes. Take a good deep breath, 
and uh, and uh, and and do what you have to do today. And uh, this is something that I expressed uh, recently on a on a broadcast of uh, Application Academy, and I'd like to I'd like to really uh, emphasize it today also that uh, if if I was to ask you, those of you that are joining us, if I was to ask you to Take a, a, a salami, and, and hopefully you know what a salami looks like. It's kind of yeah. like a big capsule, sort of like yeah. looks like a big capsule. You know, they're usually about this big, sometimes a little bit smaller, sometimes a little bit larger. And uh, if I was to ask you to swallow that salami, could you do that? And most of you... Uh, pretty much everybody that I've all ever asked this question to, I mean, in Verenia, you, you know, you and I were talking about this just just uh, before we got on the broadcast. Um, if I was at, to ask you to swallow that salami, most people would say, "I can't do that. It's that that is not possible." And my contention is, it is possible that you can indeed swallow that salami, but. You have to cut it up into pieces to do that. And the same thing is about this process. If you look at the bigness of this process and all that's impacting it and all that it's about and all the details and stuff, you can't do that. You cannot. It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But you got to cut it up into pieces. One bite at a time. One bite at a time. You got to concentrate on what do I need to do today? What does this week look like for me? And that's it. Yep. And if you can do that, then you can indeed be successful in this process. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage those of you who are joining us today that this is a process that you can make it through and you can do it and take a, a deep breath, do one step at a time, just as Verenia said earlier, and uh, and you can do it. So. Thank you so much for that. I'm, I feel relaxed now. I'm, I'm doing my own deep breathing. That's right. That's right. Well, good. Very good words good. to live by. And if you're a vegetarian, maybe, you know, maybe like a right. carrot exactly. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Translate it into whatever your thing whatever is. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe it's, one, you know, whatever. So maybe it's a big, a, uh, a big, uh, uh, um, uh, a big squash. There you go. A big, a big, you know, a big yep. yellow squash, you know, that, that'd be. Yeah. The, one the sort of vegan version of, <laughs> of my uh, example. So, very, now, very as I said, mm-hmm. yeah, as I said, uh, Dr. Gray and Rachel Grubbs are not able to join us today, but uh, we are here. Uh, Verenia and I are here to uh, answer your questions. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so let's, I think, let's, let's, start let's get to some questions. Absolutely. So actually, this is a very timely question given what we were just talking about. Good. Nicholas says uh, or asks, how can I really maximize my MCAT studying now that I'm nearly a month away from the real test? Well, that's a good question, Nicholas. Vernia, what's your advice to Nicholas today? So hopefully, Nicholas, that doesn't mean that you've just started studying. Hopefully, you've been on a steady regimen up until now. Um, And now is when I would recommend maybe doing a full length um, once a week, right? Let's say um, taking a couple of days to kind of review things, de- um, decompress, see what areas you're still sort of struggling with. Um, but 
but like, but mainly, obviously, ramping up your studying and, and your full length um, exams that you've been sort of, hopefully, you've been kind of spacing them out. Yeah. Now would be a good time to start taking one one per week. Yeah, Do you agree? Absolutely. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. And I yeah. think that's, uh, in my view, that's the except the exception to that is the week of the exam. Right. The mm-hmm. week of the exam, you need to be scaling back, yep. doing relaxation techniques, really mm-hmm. just day to day, kind of really focusing on those those mm-hmm. last bit areas that you feel like you need. But lots of relaxation, mm-hmm. lots of time to sort of, decom- as, as Renia said, decompress, sort of understand that, uh, you know, that you have to be prepared uh, mentally and emotionally uh, for the exam as much as you do. Right. Uh, you know, academically and right. cognitively. And, and and accepting that you may not ever really feel prepared, right? right. You're still going to have that nagging kind of doubt. Um, yep. You got to just push through that yep. last week. Just put that thought out of, out of your head, yep. relax and, and recover as much as possible, rest up as much as possible um, and just get ready for the real thing at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good Thanks luck, Nicholas. Question. I yes. hope it goes, hope it goes well. Yes. Keep your, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Absolutely. All <laughs> right. Moving on. Moving on. Asant says, do medical schools look at quarter units different from semester units? I did a post-bac program with 40 quarter units, GPA of 3.86. So what they're going to do, uh, Asant, is they're going to – translate everything into the same thing. So AMCAS is going to look, is going, AMCAS right comes whatever you're applying through is going to translate all of that into something that's equivalent for, for everybody. Typically what happens is quarter, quarter uh, unit schools get translated into a semester s- structure. And so they're going to see it as if it's all the same. Uh, and this is to make everything equivalent so that they're not looking at apples and oranges when they're looking at GPAs and stuff like that. So 40, 40 qu- quarter units, you can translate that. Typically, I think it's about two-thirds. So if you multiply 40 by two-thirds, you kind of get an uh, estimate of what it looks like in a semester hour system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's how the medical schools are going to look at yep. that. They don't look at them differently because they uh, AMCAS and ACOMAS translate that all together so that it looks exactly the same. Right, exactly. They kind of standardize it. Yep. In some way. All right. Yep. All right, Muhammad. Is it better to prioritize your degree if it's relatively difficult and does not overlap with med school requirements, and if it means delaying applying to medical school? Yeah. Hmm. What do you think about that, Virginia? This is a great question. Yeah, it is. Um, so I've, you know, along my years of doing this, I've um, often met with students who kind of had the same. Uh, thought. Um, and I sort of, I always encouraged, you know, you, this process is, you know, a hundred percent of your time. Um, if your sort of mental sanity means that you have mm-hmm. to kind of just focus on finishing up your degree and then maybe focusing on applying, then go for it. That is mm-hmm. totally fine. Mm-hmm. Obviously your grades will, um, be the better for it. What you don't want to do is kind of just put your pre-med plans on hold for, you know, 
mm-hmm. indefinitely, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You want to focus mm-hmm. on your degree, that's fine, but continue your activities, continue your volunteering, continue your clinical experiences, continue that. That's the heart and soul of your application, you know, kind of showing for your to yourself that this is really what you're passionate about. So you want to continue those activities as much as possible. And then if you want to kind of concentrate on the actual technical application pieces of it, it's totally fine to just, you know, finish your degree, take a gap year, um, delay applying to medical school. That's fine. What, like I said before, though, what I, what I would caution is that you don't just completely put everything on hold. Yes. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Right. Totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Good, good luck. Good Mom. advice. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. It's a lot. This yeah, that seems is. to be the theme today. You got a lot of a lot of yeah, uh, it's like the things. it's like the old thing where the where the uh they have the plates that are uh yeah. going on, <laughs> on the six, sticks, right? Like 15 plates going and at the got, same time. You got all these plates, you know, trying yep. to trying to get keep yeah. them all uh keep them all spinning. So Um yeah, and I and I remember talking to students in their third year who are, you know, finishing up degree requirements while studying for the MCAT while getting their applications together and and I was a big proponent of, you know what? If you're okay with it, Take a year, take a year, mm-hmm. take that gap year. You, mm-hmm. you could, it's a growth year, right? You can do more stuff during that time too. So yep. it's okay. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Moving on now. Let's see. Good. Here we go. It's another one. James uh, asks, uh, if I have activities that began in high school and continued on to college, how should I designate that for start date hours recorded on the application? This is a great mm-hmm. question. It's, it's a really good sort of nuts and bolts kind of question mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the application process. And essentially, uh, what I think you should do on that, James, is you, you mark the start date as the start date of your college experience. Mm-hmm. And then the end date would be obviously whatever. I think, it, it, I'm trying to recollect right now, but Brenda, you may you mm-hmm. may know this. I think that the application won't let you include a start date before your or but, before your college experience or something right. like that. Isn't that something right? like that? I, I think something so. Like yeah, that. I have to, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It limits what how far back that start right. date can be. So exactly. uh, so we just start it. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. Just estimate. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be you know the summer after you graduate from high school. You know, you could identify it as a date in the summer mm-hmm. if that if that you know if you feel good about that. But uh, the the meds. This is not going to be a, a giant thing to the med schools if you you know put June first as opposed to right. August first or something like that. They're not going to really uh, obsess about you know, sort of granular things like that. But uh, right. I would say uh, that's how you do that in terms of those experiences. Okay. All right. And moving on, actually, another question about experiences here. Kaylee, Kaylee Gray, can I include study abroad on my activity section? This is a, this is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Brittany, what do you think about this? So it's technically a part of your program, a part of your undergraduate studies. So it's, Curricular. It's not mm-hmm. extracurricular. I had a stu- uh, student ask me something a little, not, not quite the same. Um, she had an opportunity to do an internship for credit. The internship, though, was doing kind of like community service mm-hmm. um, somewhere, and it was a wonderful experience for her. Mm-hmm. But because it's sort of part of your curriculum and it's something that you're earning credit for, you know, it's part of the curriculum, so you can't really add it as an activity. 
maybe this is something you can talk about in a, you know, in a secondary mm -hmm. down the road. Um, mm -hmm. If there's anything else you want to include in your application, that, that question comes up sometimes as a secondary um, essay. You can, and if it was something that was really meaningful for you, that would be a good place to put it. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely. how I view that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, if you end up including it in your activity section, while it's not literally extracurricular, mm -hmm. as Verenia has said, um, they're not going to balk at it. So mm -hmm. I would say, you know, if you've got 15 activities already that may be one you want to leave out and and talk about it more in your personal statement as as Renia said or in secondaries and stuff but uh, if you want to include it in the activities section you know you can do that but it's really it's not um it's not completely appropriate if you go by the sort of letter of the law right exactly yeah okay good questions mm -hmm. Alyssa hello hello Alyssa I am a non-traditional, currently working as an EMT in the Navy Reserve, and I work at the medical examiner's office. Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. I will hopefully be getting published soon. Will this help to make up for a low GPA? Mm -hmm. Wow, this is a yeah, yeah. this is a good question. I actually noticed another question, mm -hmm. somewhat similar to this, in terms of addressing low GPA and offsetting mm -hmm. it with a higher MCAT score. But to this question, Alyssa, what I would say is no, it does not uh, help to address uh, a low GPA. The, a low GPA really says to the medical schools, this is how capable I am in the classroom, in the academic classroom, gutting it out day by day day by day, week by week, taking tests, writing papers, listening, taking notes, etc. The other stuff you're talking about, EMT, Navy Reserve, Medical Examiner's Office, public publications, all of that is wonderful. Clearly a very important part of the process, but it does not address your ability to gut it out in the classroom. These are two completely mm -hmm. separate things. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Yep. All right. I love this one. Yes. Medic McFly. <laughs> I love this. Uh, <laughs> Those McFly. of you that don't know, this comes from uh, Back to the Future, mm -hmm. the movie, Marty yeah. McFly. And so Medic McFly. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Asks, uh, I have three schools that I'm on the wait list for. Well, congrats for that. Mm -hmm. That's 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 notable. And I have a clear number one school. What should I consider before sending a letter of intent? When should I send it? What do you think about this, Verena? This is a this is a, a question that's, you know, on the real minds of yeah. of, of people th this time yeah. of year, especially. Yeah, sure. So um, I've had other students in similar situations. The letter of intent um, things to consider are, you know, you already have one acceptance. Um, it seems. Um, so I guess you have to decide. You know, if the schools that you're still waiting on hearing are like your top choice, then fine, you know, consider sending a letter of, of intent to that top choice school. But only if you do truly intend to go there. Right. So um, you already have one acceptance. So it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of kind of gambling on that a little mm -hmm, bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, uh, I would send a letter of update to all of them. Mm hmm. 
you know, potentially, especially if you have some update update things to talk about, sure. uh, and then the letter of intent to to your top choice school, I think that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, just ensure that if you are committing, saying that you're committed to them, then that's really what you're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And when you should send it, I, I would say go ahead and send it now. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a good time. Uh, March is is a perfect yeah. time for that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Great. Susan, Susan, I'm a nursing student at the University of Michigan getting my BSN. Are there some of my nursing courses Mm -hmm. that can transfer as a substitute for medical school prerequisites? Short answer to that, Susan, is no. Uh, typically not. Uh, when, uh, if you take anatomy and physiology in your nursing program, uh, most of the time those, that course is not going to count toward a prerequisite unless it's taken in an anatomy department or a biology department, mm-hmm. et cetera. If the, if, if nursing allied health type courses typically do not count toward prerequisites. Yeah. Is that your understanding, Rania? Yep. yep. Absolutely. Unless you specifically took a course that, you know, maybe other pre-meds are also taking, but that that's not the norm. Yeah, okay. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lil, Lil, Lilith? 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 Yeah. yeah. Lilith? Uh, I have 2,500 hours of research, undergrad and master's, plus 800 hours of clinical experience. Clinical hours were very significant for me, but I'm wondering if the amount of research hours is a red flag concerning. Hmm. I'm not sure. Hmm. Lilith, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why that would be concerning. Right. I don't I, I, yeah, Brinia, what do you think? <laughs> I don't see it as a red flag at all. Uh, unless maybe she means because she has less clinical hours than research. Um, mm. No, I wouldn't consider this a no. red flag at all. Uh, and no. in fact, your clinical hours were very significant for you. Um, and that shows, that's yeah. going to show in your application. But right. having more research hours than clinical hours um because you have so many clinical hours, I wouldn't even worry about it. Yeah. I think, Lilith, honestly, this is probably a good example of overthinking. <laughs> probably, yeah. You're overthinking it. Yeah. Uh, just uh, you've got a lot of good, strong mm-hmm. research hours. You've got a lot of good uh, clinical hours, particularly the way you talk about them in your application in the as a most meaningful experience, for example, or in your personal statement or in secondary essays. The depth of which the depth uh, at which you're approaching how you talk about them is going to be very significant. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think you need to be concerned. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Okay. So I want to highlight right. this question. Good. Um, Lena. Mm-hmm. Lena says, can my application be ignored mm-hmm. if I mention that I am Muslim because of the way the media portrays my religion? It is a big part of my journey to medicine. Should that worry me? Wow, this is a great yeah. question, Lena, and I, I'm super glad you asked yep. it. I mean, I think this is this is something that that um uh, is very concerning to mm-hmm. to many students in terms of their um, faith journey. Uh, mm-hmm. What you know, where they're coming from, whether they're Muslim or or whether they're you know some other religion, or in in outside of religion, sometimes this thi- th- these things uh, come mm-hmm. up uh, in terms of uh, politics or, or mm-hmm. things like that are that are often uh, a concern for applicants. What do you think about this, Fernia? 
Um, in, in this particular case, Lena, um, it's not something that sh- you should be worried about. I understand, of course, your fear and your concern about it, um, but it's who you are. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard. You know, you can't separate that. And I don't want you to hide that. I don't want you to feel like you have to hide that at all. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, it is who you are. You should mention it. Um, yep. You know, it's not, you know, it's... It, <laughs> You hope that whoever's reading your application is kind of like, you know, aware and, and, and culturally mm-hmm. competent, right? We, we talk mm-hmm. about this all the time right. and right. 99.9% of the times, I'm sure that's um, yeah. how yeah. it is. I can't say 100% for sure because I, we don't know, right. um, but no, don't hide it. Don't hide it. Lena. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. And Lena, what I would say is I... In, in all of my years of experience, uh, I have never once had a situation where I felt like that there was some sort of uh, bias mm-hmm. uh, that entered into the process. And that's why I think it's important that what you're dealing with is a committee of people. It's not just mm-hmm. one person making yeah. these decisions. It's a committee of people that are bouncing things off of each other and saying, you know, what do we think about this? And they're talking about it all together. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that you, you, you should feel satisfied that this is a process that's going to be looking at who you you are why you want to go into medicine and is not going to be biased against you because of, in your case, uh, of your uh, faith, uh, nor will it be if, you know, I've had students before who have come at this from a political standpoint and, you know, they really wanted to go into politics and they wanted mm-hmm. to go, you know, be in policy decisions and stuff like that. And they worried a lot about how that was going to affect, you know, because it was clear from other things things in their application, you know, potentially kind of where they landed politically. Uh, But I I don't think that you need to be concerned about this. Uh, This is not something that's going to, going to really block you. And, and, and I completely agree with Verenia. Don't you, you tell your story Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's your responsibility to do that. You let the medical schools do their thing. You do your thing, but I think you should be satisfied that this is not going to be a problem. Absolutely. It's a really great, hard. important, yeah. very important question. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Question. All right. Nicholas, oh, am I jumping the gun if I try to start secondaries prior to completing the personal statement and other aspects of my primary application? <laughs> I've never seen this question right? before. This is <laughs> well, very I, think, I think Nicholas has probably heard us say all the time, pre-write, pre-write, pre-write your yep. secondaries. Um, <laughs> but, but, I, but to answer your question, Nicholas, yes, right? So it's a little bit too soon. Yeah. Um, you want to, you know, make sure you nail down your, your personal statement that that's, you know, telling your story the way you want it to, to you know, express it. Um, and the other aspects of your primary application, getting your letters of recommendation, at least getting your, you know, notifying your letter writers, uh, all of that. That's really all you can focus on right now, right? The application right. opens in May. That's when all the technical other like data entry stuff needs to happen. If you have your personal statement already done and you're satisfied with it, potentially you could potentially start looking up some prompts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want you to, you know, I just want to make sure that you're, you're fully like a hundred percent done with your personal statement before you uh, transition over to your, to your yeah. uh, secondaries. Yeah. 
Yep. And your activities descriptions too. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. So totally those are the agree. two biggest chunks of time right now, writing those. So yep. those are your two priority ones for yep. now. But I appreciate, you know, him right. wanting to get started. Yep. <laughs> get so, those done. And then in, 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 mm-hmm. in short, yes, you're jumping the gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. A little bit. But that's okay, though. Bit, right? <laughs> I'd rather being overprepared, you know, than, right, right. than waiting yeah, until July absolutely. to start. So, Absolutely. It's a good question, Absolutely. though, Nicholas. Yeah, that is a good question. Okay. All right, two. Mm-hmm. International non-traditional pre-med here. I have completed biochem and orgo subjects. Planning to complete biochem this summer. Should I apply this cycle? I do. I plan to do physics, psych, and soci in the application year. Mm. My concern here is that is the MCAT. You know, yep. obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you, you said you're doing biochem this summer, but how are you going to complete, how are you, how, you know, that's going to force you to study physics on your own uh, with the mm-hmm. MCAT materials or whatever to be able to take the test and that, that chemistry physics section may suffer because of that, in addition mm-hmm. to the psych section. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned about that, Ritu, and uh, and so I would I would kind of say my feeling would be to uh, to back off and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and wait a year, really prepare because as a as an international student, uh, the standards are going to be a little higher for you in at partic- you know in GP in, in a GPA, but in particular uh, in MCAT because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the schools that you may be looking at. Are going to be public schools that have, you know, some sort of residency requirement, and uh, and it's going to affect non-residents of their state in addition to international students. And so, I mean, Brittany, what do you think? I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, just trying to um, learn this material while prepping mm-hmm. for the MCAT. Um, mm-hmm. It just makes it that much more challenging, and you're you're already sort of in a challenging applicant pool. Um, mm-hmm. Take full advantage, you know, as much as possible of what you can do beforehand to prepare for the MCAT and really crush it later yep. on. And and I think students sometimes underestimate what they can do on their own, can, yeah. on their own, mm-hmm. what they right. can learn on their own. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you, Doctor Wright. It's okay. It's just you know, learn it. Study yeah. it, learn it first, yeah. and then prep. Yeah, I think I think this is a good example, and, I, and I'm going to use an example from my kids when they when they grew up playing soccer. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that is difficult for uh, little kids to learn when they're learning how to play soccer is that sometimes the best move is to kick the ball backwards. backwards. Yeah. As opposed to forwards, <laughs> and so this is a good example of that. The the what you may need to do, Ritu, is to back off <laughs> and be willing to take that additional year. In other words, kicking the ball backwards mm-hmm. a little bit before you move forward. That's a great point. Yeah, it's that's a tough lesson for them <laughs> yep. to learn. <laughs> Sometimes you got to move back a little bit. Yep. Yep. All right. All right, Isabella, my pup passed from distemper, so I started volunteering at the shelter, Parvo Distemper ICU. Interesting. Mm -hmm. They trained me to perform med duties. I hope to start there as a vet tech. How would med schools view this? Mm. Mm, Good question, Isabella. Wow. Um, What do you think, Verinia? This is is a tough one. It is. I mean, first of all, I'm sorry that that 
your pup died. Yeah. Um, sorry to hear that. I, you know, but I think they would view it as what it is, right? So working with animals, um, I don't know what kind of med duties you were trained mm-hmm. to perform. Um, but yeah, I think this is a little bit tougher to kind of, you know, use for your medical school application where you're going to be working with humans. Right. Um, there's different, you know, there's just different um techniques and things that you're doing with an animal that you wouldn't necessarily do with a human. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I also think that you you cannot consider this clinical experience. Right. This is is not, though it's clinical for vet school applicant, Mm -hmm. this is, this would not be clinical in terms of a a med school applicant. So, you you know, you can, you can identify it as a volunteer experience, you know, Mm -hmm. community activity, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's great that, you know, great. And, and you can talk about it as a meaningful experience, particularly if you're able to interact with the owners of the pets, which is really a a much bigger deal when it comes to, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, veterinary medicine and stuff like that. It's it, the 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 pets are awesome. Sometimes it's the owners that are the <laughs> problematic part. So are you uh, speaking for yourself, Doctor? Right? Oh, definitely, <laughs> totally speaking for myself here. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, no, on its own, I think. I mean, it's a great experience, right? You're still volunteering, mm-hmm. um, and, and as you were saying, just learning how to just communicate with right. anxious, worried. Uh, yeah. pet parents yep. uh, that's valuable in and of yeah, itself absolutely now you and you also I would say this in an interview type setting you would also have to be prepared for the question mm-hmm. why not vet school you know, that this is, is going to show up in your yeah. application and you're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I was your interviewer, this would be one of the first questions I would ask. Tell me why you're not going to vet school instead of medical school. Yeah. So you yeah. need to be prepared for that. Very good. Okay. All right. This is a good one. I are. Hernan. 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 Okay. Hi. <laughs> All right. Hello, spring 2020 grad here. Congratulations. In the middle of the pandemic, mm-hmm. you made it through mm-hmm. with a 3.9 GPA. I had 450 clinical hours and 1,200 research. Since graduating, I had, a prior, I had to prioritize work. Would picking up clinical hours now be a red flag for 2022 cycle? No. Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, basically what I would say is that clinical hours are great regardless of when you get them. Yeah. And uh, particularly if they're if they're current and stuff like that. I mean, we're in such a weird dynamic yeah. time right now yeah. uh, that, you know, in a lot of ways, all the conventional wisdom has gone out, has flown out <laughs> the window and, and people are just kind of, you know, flying by the seat of their pants right now. And so. But in terms of the the main part of your question here, would this be a red flag? I, I don't see it. What What do you think, Rania? My only my only sort of concern is, you know, I don't know what I or Hernan's uh, job is mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's something very different to healthcare, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Um, but were you able to maybe just continue volunteering or doing other things during that time that kind of mm-hmm. ties into still helping others, serving others? Yeah. Um, is it a red flag? No, no. Um, yeah. But it is, you know, there's just a big like one year gap. But like you said, too, it's been a weird <laughs> two yeah. years of this. So, yeah. you know, highlight what you what you did yeah. during that time yeah. um, and 
pick it, you know, pick it back up now. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yep, I agree. Okay. Agree completely. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Oh, there was a follow up to that. He says he would oh. plan to continue clinical work until until matriculation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could project that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. good idea. Definitely. Yeah. Good idea. Okay. All right. All so right. here's sort of a. Oh yeah, this is yeah, this is a good yeah. question. I have two years. Uh, this is I can't pronounce your name. I'm so sorry, Omar. I'll just call you Omar. Uh, I have two years of community college. Will will this affect my chances? Um, short answer really is 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 not necessarily. Uh, I think the key here is that, as I've said often on this broadcast, is that you have to do as well at the community college. Uh, are, are as well at the university as you're doing at the community college. Right. So if you start off at community college and your GPA is 3.8 and your GPA drops to a 3.4 when you transfer to the to the university, that's concerning to the medical schools. It may affect how they view that 3.8 at the community college. However, if you're doing you know roughly equivalent uh, at both institutions, then it should be no no problem. Absolutely. All right. That was simple. Yeah. Amy. Amy, will introductory physics one and two be sufficient for the physics material in the MCAT? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. That's really all you need, right? Mm-hmm. One year of physics anyway. So yeah, and, and I, in in addition, I would say depending on your, in, depending on the institution that you're at, and also depending on the. Uh, degree requirements at your institution for your degree. But in terms of the MCAT, I don't really think it matters whether it's an algebra-based physics or calculus-based physics. Right. I, I don't think it really matters either one. No, that's true. Good Is that point. your understanding, Virginia? Yes. Yes. Yeah. In fact, we would, at Hofstra, we offered both. They offered mm-hmm. calculus-based yeah. mm-hmm. and then non-calculus-based. And we would steer the pre-meds towards the non-calculus space. Like, don't it's risk lot, your GPA. Yeah. You don't yep. need, you don't need right. all that. That's right. Unless your degree requires Unless your degree, right, correct. That's right. Correct. All right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. All right. Military T, question here. T. Wallace, prior Navy corpsman, thank you for your service. Medic, uh, current firefighter, finishing my undergrad and looking to apply this cycle. Large amount of my clinical experiences from 10 years ago. Is this looked at as a negative? Um, hmm. Now, I guess my question, T, is... Um, as a firefighter, yeah. are you? I know that that in many fire in many fire departments, firefighters are mm-hmm. EMTs themselves and right. or paramedics. And so, my question would, my further question to this answer to to the, to answer this would be, are you um, are you uh, dealing with patients also uh, as a firefighter? And uh, if not, then I think that the, the clinical experience being 10 years ago could, could be a negative. for Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I, I think, I don't know where T Wallace works, mm-hmm. but I think that's just kind of part of your training, some basic life-saving um, techniques. Um. I would imagine, uh, but if not, then potentially, yeah, having experience from 10 years prior might be an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, start getting some if you can. Yeah. Uh, utilize what you can uh, do uh, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, your, you know, uh, 
your uh, ability uh, uh, based on your schedule and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, I, I do think that if, if all of your clinical, clinical experience is 10 years ago, and I would further add to that, if all of your clinical experience is as a Navy uh, corpsman, that could be a negative. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you need something outside of that to say, I get what it's like mm-hmm. in a clinical setting outside of the military. That's true. That's a good point too. So, but you know, if it is, you know, this is a good opportunity then to kind of start strategizing then for, you know, you know, creating your application, start looking Mm at adding those experiences, um, gaining those experiences. You may not be ready to apply, you know, obviously this cycle, maybe not even next cycle, but you know, two, three years down the road, potentially. Yep. All right. Okay, question about LORs here. James, what is the most efficient way to have letter writers for letters of recommendation uh, submit their uh, letters to mm-hmm. an, to the AMC for both them and for me? I have heard of Interfolio, but did not know how that would work into this. I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I mean, my, my feeling is Interfolio is a, a good way to go. What do, yeah. you, what do you think, Brent? I agree. And I've been um, encountering this question quite often, actually, now mm-hmm. as students are looking at, you know, potentially, you know, starting to gather their their uh, letters of recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mm-hmm. AAMC, you know, you can have them, sub- you can have your letter writer submitted directly to the AAMC. You know, you have to get your, you know, letter ID and have that match. That makes me nervous mm-hmm. <laughs> just because there's so many moving parts. Um, mm-hmm. I'm naturally just more, you know, I like to have everything in one place. So Interfolio is a great service. It's really, you know, it's affordable too. Yep. Um, you can store however many letters and then they kind of take over and handle the process. They notify your letter writers. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have them kind of send out reminders. So yep. um, then Interfolio takes care of, you know, storing the letter. And then when the time comes, your letter writer will just submit it. And then it goes out to your application. Obviously you have to follow the instructions to set up your accounts and all that. Right. Uh, right. But that's a really good, reliable yep. service totally for an affordable price. It's yep. worth it. I think it's totally worth it, particularly if you're if you're applying to more than one service, yeah. if you're applying AMCAS and ACOMAS, ACOMAS and potentially the Texas service as well. It's just it just makes total sense to do in Interfolio. one place. Yep, yep. in one place. Um, yep. I recently heard about something else called V-Collect, which I wasn't familiar with. Mm, um, familiar so I'd have to look either. into that more. But but Interfolio is generally very well known. Yeah. And maybe someday mapped will be uh, yeah you never know a letter writer storage <laughs> storage service. I hope Doctor Gray is listening. I'm pretty sure he's thought of that already. <laughs> All right, so moving on. That's good. Sure, uh, Kaylee. Uh, I'm a medication. Uh, reconciliation technician. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. In an emergency room, uh, I ask patients questions to obtain home med history, do pill identification, etc. I think it's clinical. Lost my place here. Sorry. Um, I think it's clinical too. Okay. Yeah, you're uh, you know clinical. you're you're dealing with patients. You're in a clinical setting. You're talking about clinical things like medications and stuff, and sounds clinical to me. What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm reading it now. Sorry, I had lost my place for a second. Um, yeah, no is it clinical? Yeah. So we hadn't had one of these uh, the entire broadcast. So it was bound to come up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you're you're there. You're taking you know 
medication history from the patient. You're discussing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess pill identification. Um, and you're involved in their um, experience in the emergency in their room. care. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I would say so. I would yeah. say so too. I, I, I totally think that's clinical. Yep. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Our SS. Uh, I cur- I currently hold a three four six undergrad GPA with a four zero graduate GPA in a special master's program. That's great. Yeah, I have a five hundred five MCAT score. I got a C minus in Orgo one Orgo one two years ago. Should I retake it? Who Orgo one? So have you taken Orgo two yet? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would I would agree with that. If you now C minus is not going to count towards right. the prereq. You, you, right. you need to be clear on that. That that this the the C minus you got will not count as a as a prereq because it is uh, very uh, it, it's too low. Right. Okay. So then then yeah. So then you'd have to retake you'd it. You have to retake that unless yeah. I mean I I would say yes. You're going to need unless to I mean I don't know if maybe if they did really well in. Or go to if that would kind of um, impact, not. but probably yeah. not. Yeah, I, I doubt it. Oh. You know, th- when it comes to stuff like that, the medical schools are just going to say, you know, here's the rule: you got to yeah. have two semesters of Orgo. If you, if you, you know, if you, you know, blew out the top on semester two, but you failed mm-hmm. semester one or got a C minus, yeah, all the same, you got to have it. So. Seems a little bit unfair, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, what they have to do is really, they, they have to make sure and treat everybody exactly yeah. the same. And that's where that comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Question here from our friend, Rachel. Uh, Rachel. Future Dr. Rachel. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> Question for a friend. Do postbacks affect undergrad GPAs or do they create a different GPA? Well, that's a th- yeah. This is a really good question, mm-hmm. and the first point that I want to make on this question is it depends on what kind of postback it is. If it's an undergrad postback program, in other words, if the courses are undergrad courses, then those courses will go into the to the overall or cumulative undergrad GPA. However, if it's a post-bac program that is a master's or graduate level program, then those those hours are going to go into a graduate GPA. However, they are also going to be uh, categorized if they're undergraduate. They're going to go into the undergrad GPA and they're going to be created as a separate postback GPA. So the que- the answer to the question is a little complicated, but if they're undergraduate courses, then the answer to this question is both. Hmm. They're going to be in the undergrad GPA and they're going to hmm. be created as a totally distinct GPA, a postback GPA. Does that make sense, Renia? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. There's never I hope a straightforward. It. <laughs> there's never a straightforward answer with know, what right? we do, right? <laughs> it could. It depends. Maybe so. But no, right. I think I think what you said was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope that helps, Rachel. Yeah. All right. I want to bring this one All up because right. I think it's. A good one. Uh, Lily says, taking mm-hmm. the MCAT a third time, and people have told me to think about nursing, PA or, or nurse practitioner, mm-hmm. because I failed the MCAT twice. Okay, number one, you don't mm-hmm. fail the MCAT. That's Mm-mm. that's not within the context yep. of what the MCAT's all about. Okay, just to say, <laughs> any advice for keeping spirits up? I love what a physician does because of scribing. Mm. 
Oh, this is a tough one. Now, Verenia, you've got a background in counseling and stuff. So put on your counseling counseling hat and and talk to Lily. Lily, and I would and if Dr. Gray were here, he'd say the same thing. If your dream is to become a doctor, that is what you should do. Don't worry about what the naysayers are saying. As Dr. Wright just said, the M- you don't fail the MCAT. You just maybe don't score as high as you hoped, but you can take it again, prep for it, you know, figure out what are your um, challenges with it. Maybe it was not enough study time. Maybe it was not knowing how to study. Maybe you need a little extra help, maybe through a prep course. Um, there's absolutely still you know, ways to kind of tackle that. Um, And as far as keeping your spirits up is, I guess, I don't know if you're still scribing right now, keep doing that. That's what's Mm -hmm. going to kind of keep you motivated to, and, and remind you of why you're doing this. Um, PAs, NPs, that's, that's great. That's their, you know, that's what they do. If someone wants to be a PA and MP, go for it. But you know, it seems like, you know, that you want to be a physician. Mm -hmm. Hold on to that. Yeah. Hold That's great. That. Good advice. That Thank is you. great advice. Great Good luck, advice. Lily. Yeah. Good luck, Lily. And let us let us know how things are going. Yes. You know, keep keep yes. in touch. Keep in touch with us. Absolutely. I just saw a comment from Dr. Gray regarding Uh-oh. the letters. <laughs> Yes, I'm listening. And yes, it's on the list. Ah, yay. <laughs> right. Very high on the list. So that's, stay tuned for that. Awesome. Stay awesome. tuned. That is awesome. Okay. All right. Sorry. Keep losing my place here. All right. So this is a good one. All right. Okay. Natalie. On, or Natalia. Natalia. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Got academically dismissed, but strong upward trend for the last three years. One more year to go. Will I get screened out with a low three GPA, a low three, I guess, mm-hmm. low 3.0, you know, mm-hmm. ish area GPA at more competitive schools? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I think that you, you know, um, you do what you got to do. You do what you can do. And uh, good upward uh, trend, po- very positive. And uh, sounds like you sort of got things together and you figured it out and you're you're doing it. Uh, so uh, keep up the good work. And uh, uh, that's all you can do. Just, you know, yeah. you've got to do what you can do. And then if you're going to apply to some of the more competitive uh, medical schools in the country, then you let them do what they're going to do. But you do yeah. your role, let them that's do it. their role. That's it. Exactly. Yep. I know. Yep. And that's something that I think we pre-meds, and I include myself as a pre-med, but because I, I hear it all the time, students struggle with, but what What if, but what if, but what if, let mm-hmm. them do their thing. You yep. can only control what you can control. That's right. um, keep focused on that. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Got a question Absolutely. here from Ritu. Ritu. Again. Hi yeah. again. Hi, Hi again. Ritu. Uh, would prereq classes, especially stats and math, taken four to five years ago, expire at the time of application? Good question. This is a very common question. Would you recommend retaking those classes to have the most recent grades in? They do not expire. Uh, and so... Particularly with stats, no, I don't recommend that you would retake that. I don't know what you think. No, no, I agree. I think, yeah, I I mean, stats. uh, I think you can review on your own, right? And uh, and just kind of go through it on your own and stuff like that. And and same thing. Sorry, same thing with math. I think. I think you know the the more sort of pressing courses would be like your bio, your chem, your physics. But even those. don't as expire. Right. Far as I'm con- yeah, as far as I know, they don't. 
Exactly. I don't know if some schools, if some schools may have individual like requirements, but even then, usually it's like within the last five years or something like that. Yeah. That they'll accept yeah. the courses. So yeah, I, I, it sounds to me like you'd be okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, uh, good. Oh, here's a good one from T. Wallace again. Hello. Uh, a lot of med schools request a letter of rec from a science professor. Due to the pandemic, mm-hmm. all of my classes have been online except for the lab. Should I still request a general letter? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to. I mean, there, there are some medical schools that, you know, if they say they want X, Y, Z, then that's what they want, X, Y, Z. And mm-hmm. so you got to do what they say. So just kind of keep that in mind. But I would say, yeah. Yeah. And and this really does go to address an issue here, Brenia, that I, I know we deal a lot with this with students within the context of the pandemic, which is everything was online. It was difficult mm-hmm. to get to know my faculty members and stuff like that. What do I do, mm-hmm. you know, with letters? You know, what advice do you give them, Brenia? Build a time machine and go back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah. I, you hope that up to this point, you've sort of had that relationship with someone. If not, then, you know, reach out to a professor, you know, that you might have had a little bit more contact than, than you know, with the others. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, with the ones that really could not because of for whatever reason, then that's not probably not the best professor to approach, right? You yeah. might want to look yeah. and, you know, see if there's someone else that you can mm-hmm. reach out to. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Unfortunately, it well, uh, see, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Looks like we're sort of nearing the end. Uh, okay. Here's another good one. MCAT related. Mm-hmm. Would applying without an MCAT affect my application? I'm hoping to take it April the 8th. I think April the 8th is fine. You're going to have an end by mm-hmm. the time you apply or, or shortly after, you know, depending on yeah. uh, on that. So. The release the release date should be about a month after that, so like around the 8th or so the 10th yeah. around there. So the application yeah. opens on the 4th. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, you'll be I fine, you'll Andy. Be fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that no problem. Good. Okay. Oh, there's one more. Yeah, we have some. We have plenty of time for one more. Yeah. Or a couple okay. more, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, uh, Safa says, I started clinical experiences in my summer before my senior year. Does it look bad on my clinical experience? And there's a follow-up to this. I didn't have clinical experience until the second semester of junior year. Does it look bad for applications? Okay. Hmm. Well, potentially. I, I mean, I would say, it, it, you know, it, so I'm a little confused did you start experiences the summer before your senior year or did you start experiences the second semester of your junior year? Those are two separate things. Mm. So w- when did you start that, the clinical think, experience? Yeah, that's a good question. You're right. Uh, so okay. if it's the summer before your senior year, I think she says, uh, so maybe uh, like end of junior year started mm, summer, right, senior year. Right. Uh, right. And then there's another follow-up uh, regarding taking a gap year. Gap so year. it seems that changes things a right. lot for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you, What do you think, Brian? No, so it seems like that Safa, you have time to still continue gaining those experiences yeah. if you're taking a gap year. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to look bad necessarily. It's just you know making sure that you continue those activities yeah. uh, or gaining those experiences. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. 
Okay. Totally agree with that. Good. We got one more here. Got one more. Nicholas has another one. What can I do to improve MCAT full-length practice exam scores if I'm hitting a plateau? Mm. My first two full-length practice scores were 502 and 501, respectively. My goal score is 512. My feeling about this, Nicholas, and and I wish I wish that uh, Rachel was Rachel here to address here, yeah. this uh, today. So, so what I would encourage you to, do, Nicholas, I'm going to attempt to answer uh, uh, in, in a you know you know as good a way as I can. Uh, but I, you may want to come on the. Next week, uh, when Rachel's here, and, and a- ask the question again, and uh, give Rachel a chance to uh, to respond to it. But my my feeling is that as you take pra- practice exams, full length practice exams, you're going to get scores and scores, and those scores are going to be kind of all over the place. But you're going to begin to see a a a. a, a um, a, a, I'm searching for the right word, a consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're going to, and, and what, what I think is going to happen is that you're going to end up starting to see, okay, this is kind of where I'm at um, in terms of the exam. Now, what you're saying here is I'm, I'm doing these full length practice exams at a 502, 501 area. And my goal is a 512. What can I do to jump from that? 502, 501 to 512. And, and that's a question that I think uh, um, is a difficult one to answer. Verenia, what is your advice here? Um, I would probably try to see if you can get some feedback from, I mean, I don't know if you're doing self-study or, you know, potentially getting feedback from a, uh, like an MCAT prep mm-hmm. program or, or tutor. I'm thinking, off the top of my head, I th- I'm thinking like Blueprint offers. Um, we work very closely with Blueprint um, for MCAT uh, resources. Potentially having a consultation, they offer free consultation calls and just sort of say, "Hey, this is my situation right now." Not, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just looking for some feedback on right. um, where, how I can kind of move up from here. Um, that would be one thing to consider. Um, because yeah, like you were saying, it seems like you know you've hit that plateau and you've been you're not budging. Um, you might have to push back the MCAT, right? Yep. Until you kind of over uh, come, yeah. you know, cross over this hump or whatever this this is. Yep. But that's one suggestion. Yep. Maybe yep. getting some feedback directly from the uh, MCAT prep folks. Yep. Good. Um, or join us next week. Um, I'm yeah. sure I, Rachel I would will be with that, us. Yeah. I think that'd be a good yeah. idea. Rachel's yeah. our our MCAT, MCAT guru. expert. Yep. Um, Extraordinaire. We have to yes. use that word. MCAT that's what Ryan says all the time. MCAT guru extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Yeah. So. Oh, look! Someone just made a suggestion here on the comments as well. Checking out future doctors on YouTube. Mm, uh, they teach strategies that are helpful, and it's a hundred percent free. Thank you so much, Suze. Yeah. Susan City. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent advice. Thank you. Well, we've reached the end of another episode of Ask the Dean. Thank you uh, for joining us. We uh, send out our love to Rachel and and Ryan. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us today. And uh, remember that we're here every week uh, at uh, 12 o'clock Central Time, Mm -hmm. 1 o'clock Eastern Eastern. uh, here on uh, on MAP TV, 
and uh, join us next week. And uh, thank you for being here, yes. Brenia. Thank you. And thank you. Uh, I'm glad that everybody is. Uh, yes. Everybody's. Uh, gotten good questions in and that was that was awesome so yes, thank you and for we're, joining us and we're all going to go out there and and take one small bite at a time of whatever of we're the dealing salami with. or of the <laughs> of the squash, the, the squash or what, whatever. whatever you're going to use we're going to take one bite at a time that's, that's it right. that's thank right. you all all right take care everybody bye bye-bye this is dr gray again closing out i hope you learned something from our session today If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.